0: Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the Students of Conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time.
1: Alright, welcome to Students of Conflict. We are Clay, Nick, and Doug. Hello! Greetings. Hello. And we are trying to become better Malifaux players. We're leveling up ourselves and hopefully leveling other people up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. And sometimes we pull in top third players from other... uh, North American Faux Tour regions who journey to ours. Uh, We are not trying to capture uh, these guests' entire tournament journey. Uh, We just want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of them. What were the key decisions that they made before the game and during the game? And now that they're looking back at the game, what are the things that they learned that they can pass on to other people? Our basic format is to interview our guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament. Well, it's all fresh in their minds, and we can get some good cross flow between them all. Rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Tonight, we're speaking with Maeve, John, and Andre. Hello. 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 Awesome. (laughs) These wonderful folks came in second, third, and first respectfully, respectively. (laughs) Respectively. I am going to get this right. (laughs) June Malifaux Monthly Tournament held in Houston on the 10th of June, 2023. To be fair to you, though, we also took the podium respectfully. We did. Yes, it was a
0: very did. respectful tournament. Yes, it was.
1: It was. We're going to be releasing these discussions with them as episodes 10A through C. All right. So, John, congratulations on the placement, and it is fantastic to have you here on the pod. Congrats. Bert. Hey,
2: thanks, man. I'm really happy to be here. Legitimately been waiting to get on this podcast for since you started.
1: Again, we are super glad to have you here. Um, it's always, uh, uh, long-time listeners know that I'm always trying to turn this into a Bayou podcast, and uh, I am very, very happy to have a Bayou player. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we get the banjos. And, of course, I just happen to not be playing Bayou.
2: <laughs> Doug had that loaded up, man. He said, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm ready to fire yeah. that off.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I had that dance. You know, I practiced the dance beforehand. hmm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And the dance is like perfect for, for an audio media, you know, like podcasting. Yes. really, but so dead serious listeners, you have got to come to the Houston GT because um, we will, we will play that music and we will get to see that jig and it will be fantastic.
0: Yeah. If you come to the GT, I will do that dance for you there.
1: <laughs> yep. I'm thinking when we do Bayou Best in Faction, I think that that is
2: where that dance has got to happen. If you're not dancing the whole time, it's not It's not even a Bayou faction focus, you know?
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: It, it might happen during the Bonanza
2: Brawl. Now we're talking. Because it's a Bonanza? So, so what's this about a
0: best in faction?
2: Am I going to have to start learning how to play Bayou? What's happening? No, you got to let me dude, <laughs> let me have this, man. on. <laughs> Come on now.
0: Like other big GTs and stuff, we're gonna be doing some uh, best in faction awards Ooh. this time around. Yeah. We got we got big plans.
1: I'm excited. Yep, big plans. Making me sad,
3: I'm not gonna be there. It's okay, me neither.
1: Oh, so your standards are chance. Oh yep. We got we got kids being born and all kinds of stuff. So
2: I know. Yeah.
1: It is all good. I'll be there. Oh woohoo! But anyways, as much as I want to talk about um uh, the GT. What I really want to talk about is uh, is Bayou. Bayou. Oh, oh my God! Gosh. Bless America. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking I stopped okay. it. I stopped it. We Thank you. Cut there is a God. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, you, John, as we have already mentioned, are a first time guest, and so it's about time you got here, slacker. For our first time guests, we love uh, talking about just how you got here. Uh, what's your gaming background? How did you get into Malifaux? And uh, and why is Bayou objectively the best faction on the planet?
2: Oh, uh, it's a, a super easy questions. So um, I started gaming probably towards middle of high school. I started with MTG. Uh, Andre and I became friends around that time as well. Mm-hmm. And once he and I started hanging out, it started off. I, I was like, I remember like perusing his shelves, his bookshelves, and finding like old paperback Blood Angels and Necrons and Orcs codices. Yeah, and um. I feel like I remember specifically he always was like, uh, this game's pretty complicated, man, you know." He, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he, he would, we never we didn't spend time learning how to play 40K until um, a little bit later on in our lives. Um but that being said, uh Andre and I have been playing 40K for a really long time together and we stopped playing 40K. We're looking for a different kind of game to play. We at Dragon's Lair in Austin, we would always see this Malifaux stuff on the walls as we were looking and we'd be like, "This game looks kind of crazy. These sculpts look pretty cool." Let's check it out. And that was, uh, I want to say that was mid M2E ish, give or take <laughs> maybe a little bit in the early to mid stages. Um, wave three had just come out. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got into it and we had, it started off a little bit slow, but then once we really started sinking our teeth in, uh, and I say, R, I I had like a very like interesting last probably 10 years, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it. um, where my gaming hasn't been as consistent, but that being said, in the last few years, I've really dug my heels back into Malifaux, uh, coming to the tournaments, uh, traveling abroad, and so yeah, Malifaux has been my game. It, it just has a lot of good, good rules, good things going for it. And um, as far as why Bayou's the best faction, do you want me to do that now, or you want me to talk about? I uh, I actually started with the first box I ever bought was Dreamer actually oddly okay, enough okay good call um, yeah, appropriate as, uh, it test. spoke to me in a way and then it, back in those days m2e boxes were not very balanced against each other so andre had lilith starter box and i had dreamer starter box which means he was packing Ooh. he was packing lilith and um, the cherub and i think the the retinue of the 2 ter—it was two Tots, A young and a mature. Is that right? Something like no, that. No, it
1: was uh, three tots and Barbaros, I think.
2: Oh, it was three tots and Barbaros. That's right. And you had to get the other box to get the mature. But that okay. that box compared to Dreamer's box, which was Dreamer and Chompy, uh, Capellius, and three daydreams, yep. or three daydreams and three Alps. I think the Alps came in that box yeah. as well. Um, the Alps came in that box. They just—they did not do. They did not go well. Most games. Lilith back in the day was really just brutal. She did mean things. Um, but that being said, then I dove into Bayou. Um, and I kind of buy, I think I bought like most of the M3E bo- or M2E boxes, uh, except for like Ma Tuckett and there was one other one, but a uh, Brewmaster for sure is my, my, lo- my love of the game. Like the, my first master that I really just fell in love with in terms of playing the game. Um, Back when Brewmaster was actually really annoying to deal with. Um, even though I did have a moment where I definitely one-tapped Nakima uh with Francois back when Dumb Luck trigger was still around. <sighs> oh,
0: God. No, and for Jim the uninitiated
2: For the uninitiated, what you used to be able to do is they had a ram trigger that basically said, Double the damage you deal on this attack, take the damage it would have normally dealt to yourself. Um but there was an upgrade in Bayou called Stilts that you could discard to reduce damage from a melee attack to zero. So you would take this upgrade on Francois. You'd peek that red Joker, and then you would do uh, fourteen damage on a Ram in one in one swing. And then Francois would duck, duck, duck the Stilts, and Nakima was not on the table anymore. And that was when she was a thirteen Soulstone henchman. Um, but Brewmaster was sure for sure was my uh, my favorite go to master, and stylistically still kind of is, I think.
1: Yep, sounds fantastic. So, thank you. Thanks for taking us through that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also like asking uh, all of our guests an icebreaker question uh, for the episode. And so, what is your favorite uh, front of card ability? I guess just ability. They're all in the front, but uh, in the game and why?
2: Uh, Drunken Gremlin Kung Fu is by far my favorite. Drunken Kung Fu.
1: Awesome. Could you describe that for listeners who may not be familiar with that?
2: Absolutely. So, Drunken Gremlin Kung Fu is essentially treat. this model treats all negative flips. As positive flips and vice versa. So that includes uh, if you have distracted, it becomes a good thing. If you, if you spend focus for some reason, it's a bad thing. Um, if your opponent has serene continence, nice. Um, if you're suffering negatives of damage flips, double nice. Because uh, basically you treat damage flips as well that way. So it applies to all flips. And that being said, the reason I like it so much is, A, it just completely oozes flavor. It is so flavorful. OK,
0: what does it taste like?
2: Uh, it tastes like um, like winning. <laughs> you ever seen that show Moonshiners? Okay. If they if that show had uh, a combination of smell of vision and taste of vision, that's what that tastes like. It, it makes with the dust from your TV. The thing about it is, is it's not like an overpowered ability. You know, nobody's like, oh, man, this this thing is so broken. Uh, it's not overpowered at all, but It does create this interesting dynamic in hand management and when to cheat and how to cheat in ways that your opponent has to kind of think on the fly about and that you also have to think on the fly about cuz normally it's like oh I'm going to cheat up to make sure like if I can't beat your duel I'm going to cheat up to put it you on a negative but it's actually the opposite you want to cheat down to put me on negatives so if you don't want to throw away good cards but I still like flip flip decent well throw that good card away and let me get those positive flips. If you really want me to. Um, And at the same time, it like creates these interesting interactions where it's like, Oh, you're disengaging. Oh man. Be a real shame if we tied here and then you just on positive flips, you can cheat it.
1: Yeah. Double positive. It goes from double negative to double pause. It's
2: actually worse to have be disengaging for brewmaster to have multiple models engaging the target because you get the positive flips back. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just a very flavorful, very like cool kind of it's it's a rare ability. It's only on Moon Shinobi and Brewmaster 2. But I think because of that, it feels like a an interesting and very unique and situationally powerful ability. Rezzers do not like that ability. I can believe it. Yeah. I can believe it.
1: No, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. For sure. So, all right. Um, that' uh, gonna shift to looking at a single game from this tournament uh, from each guest. And so, yeah, what, what game? Which round are you talking about here,
2: and why? I am going to be talking about my round one game versus Christian. Uh, before it's asked, I played on the Shipwreck Beach, uh, map from nice. Doug's maps, and it's I picked, I was stuck in the top right corner. So going into this game. I, I wasn't sure who to play cause I had taken about a four month ish, that three, like three month ish break from Malifaux. Um, just to kind of like reassess some things, get some stuff in my life squared away. And then, uh, Holy oddly kid. enough, I, I, one of the driving factors to go was Maeve had hit me up and asked if I, she could borrow some models for my, um, my gremlins. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll be there. And I decided to show up and, that being said, you ended up borrowing Doug's models. So, you know, I, I wasn't hurt or anything, but uh, <laughs> it was it was all a
3: ploy to get you out here.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yes, the secret plot. But that being said, uh, I had taken a break and was coming back feeling pretty good and didn't. But I didn't know what I wanted to play. Um, I was kind of torn between a few different masters, particularly Brewmaster Wong and who I ultimately picked for this uh, objective was Ulex. Um, and so to run you through the list that I had selected, uh, it was Ulex one with Penelope, the totem, uh, old major with two gremlins and a gilly suit, Bo Peep, the sow, a swine cursed with inferiority complex, a piglet and the lucky effigy. And Christian was, uh, tailoring a list that was kind of designed, I think for cursed objects. Um, Oh, and I had a, a cache of seven soul stones for what that's worth. Um, Christian's list was Seamus with the Whisper and the Copycat Killer. He hired Dr. McMorning 1. Oh, he ran Seamus 1. He hired Dr. McMorning 1 with the Whisper as well as Madame Sybil, Bette Noir, and De- the Dead Doxy with no upgrades. And he, so he ran Seven Stones as well. Got it. Got the double master thing coming in, both of
1: them. There's some evilness there. So oh, yeah. Uh, I think in Cursed no, Objects fantastic. it's a
2: very, very powerful mm-hmm. choice to make. Um, having fewer activations and significant active, like very significant activations as well, combined with the fact that Seamus and McMorning are too ve- Like if you are not very careful about how you take them out, are very difficult to take them out. Got it. So for this game overall, what was your biggest
1: lesson that, that you took away from this game? Or kind of the biggest theme from the game?
2: I definitely will say that this game for me, A, it just really helped me knock the rust off. Uh, I felt a little rusty going in, but then like, as I was playing, I was just like, my synapses started reconnecting. I started experiencing neuron activation. And then I, I, um, I just felt good about it. But the problem was, is that I didn't really think through my game plan very well. And in hindsight, I know I would have done things a lot differently. Um, but the biggest, the biggest takeaway was like time management and, Honestly, how important it is to be wary of my time while playing because the chess clock was my bane, so to speak. But it was like also my biggest boon in terms of learning from the game, Um, because I think the game ended and he had 25 minutes or so left on the clock and I was I was timed out.
1: Yeah, you know, and so yeah, because you're bringing a summoner, you've got mm-hmm. a ton of stuff going on, and he's bringing like a super double master elite super list. It's what, he had one, six two, six activations. Three, four, okay, yeah, and
2: I and yeah, it's I had there's
1: there's lots going on. Yeah, with those, I had eight still, out the gate, goodness. and I
2: was putting more on the table, and um, it's a lot easier like to keep the clock on me because he could just be like pass token. I'm like oh crap, okay, pass token. Oh man, oh here I go again. But um, yeah. I think that's a really big advantage uh, to both playing with clocks, but as well as on cursed objects is that low model count having an insignificant totem. It all just kind of plays very nicely in that, that kind of environment.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you normally one trick, don't you, or do you normally play a bunch of different masters within,
2: within a tournament? Generally speaking, I'm either all in on one master or I'm trying to go for a Scorpius. Um, okay and that's like how it's been so like for example at nova i scorpius by you in the masters and then i played nothing but brewmaster in the uh the open at the gt i i or uh, at a uh, captain con or uh, gt i tried to scorpius at captain con i ran ulex uh five games in a row
1: yeah but that kind of thing okay so
2: for this for this pool
1: and i don't know if we mentioned it yet so i'm going to mention it right now and then we'll let doug edit it out if i we already have um cursed objects corner deployment. Vendetta, Assassinate, Hidden Martyrs, Catch and Release, and Set the traps. So <laughs> like a super killy pool. Very like, killy. You could do nothing but kill on this one and do just one. And so was that like an auto-take for you for Ulix? No, was it... no.
2: So actually, okay. well, kind of. So my thought process going into this game was in order to play it out and get myself like back into the flow of things, I wanted to play something that was going to play very, very aggressively. And on top of that, when I saw the double master pick in my head, I was like, well, I can theoretically try to overwhelm his models if he's only got six activations. But they're all very important activations. Every single one I take off the board is significant. So and if I can overwhelm him with the pigs, the pig engine, if that can get the ball rolling and he just cannot kill them as fast as they're being summoned, because Seamus can really only take maybe one out a turn. You know, depending on like what kind of setup it is, especially because pigs drop ski markers instead of corpses. That was a kind of another yeah. tech thing that I chose to do there. Um, but I wanted to play something aggressive and just like try to gun it down as fast as possible, get the game going. And I ended up playing a little safer than I meant to. I talk a big game for how aggressive I was trying to play, but I played a little bit too back. Um, but it was still a very close game and I don't know that it should have been, but it was a very, very close game. It was 6-7 at the end of it.
1: Okay, and the Christian ended up taking it, right? Correct.
2: This was a loss for me. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, he... Uh, the biggest thing for the disparity was fundamentally one turn, I did not kill a model. And that basically set my max possible VP to 7. And then... Um, once I timed out, I couldn't get Bo Peep back in a position. Uh, and we'll talk about the schemes that I selected in a moment, but I guess I could talk about them now. I took uh, Assassinate on Seamus and I took Hidden Martyrs on Bo Peep and the Lucky Effigy. And I, I think that was a fine call because both of those models are relatively easy to kill, but still have relatively high impact in the game. Um. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment where I was like, oh crap, he's going to kill both of these at the same time. One's engaged with Seamus, or sorry, McMorning. The other's engaged with Bette Noir. That, that is a
1: recipe for pain. Yes. Right there, and
2: right? I I flipped decently well uh, after the Lucky failed to put up its aura and de- to defend itself. And Bet failed to kill it. And uh, Bo Peep was able to run off and basically dodge McMorning and... The lucky then proceeded to die the next turn. And I was like, perfect game plan secured.
1: I I'm I'm interested in your thought process when you saw first, when you saw Seamus, uh, what you were thinking that you were going to be facing and and how that tweaked your list building. And then when you saw the crew hit the board and you saw that it was Seamus and McMorning, what that, went through as far as you're like, okay, now what do I need to do different? Can you talk, just talk me through that a bit?
2: Yeah, sure. That process actually happened really quickly because it was, I saw he locked in Seamus and then immediately, I obviously, I selected no master or no second master and he had selected McMorning. So I immediately, before oh, the list yeah, gets that's built, right. I saw yeah. Oh yeah, okay. McMorning, it's McMorning Seamus. Okay, right on. So I already kind of knew generally what was going to be happening is McMorning is going to be like this distraction carnifex kind of effect if you're familiar with the term um where he sits on one part of the table is very like threatening but isn't necessarily going anywhere too fast because mcmorning is not a very fast master he's got a bonus action push but um it was going to be centered around my models are very difficult to pick off and kill uh beton has her berry Seamus has his teleports. McMorning has his self-heal every time he attacks you. The copycat killer is insignificant. Madam Sybil is a hard-to-wound uh, henchman who can reduce your dual totals uh, and an aura, and um, and the dead Doxy was dead top of turn two. So, you know, it, it um, but it did tweak my list building a lot. I hired something that I wouldn't normally hire in Ulix, which is a Swine Cursed with Inferiority Complex. Normally, my ULIX lists involve um, hiring a Hog Whisperer and taking an extra piglet. And then what I can do there is I'll have tools for the job off the Hog Whisperer, which lets me draw that top card off the top of my discard when I flip high, and I can then use that to summon Um, and then having two, or I guess, replace. But then I have two piglets that are strategically significant members of my, my team that can go run. Around they get to activate turn one. If I can turn them into swine cursed gravy, you know, but this game, I felt that I needed to have something that could ignore terrifying and manipulative. I needed something that could ignore those uh, abilities, uh, and it ended up paying off quite a bit. Um, and that swine curse survived to the whole end of the game.
1: And could you talk through the the pool that you took? You had seven stones. Was that about right? Or do you wish that you had had another inferiority complex on there? And, and especially with a summoner, you need a lot of stones for summoners. So like,
2: yeah. So I will elaborate more on this. Like I think when I talk about kind of hindsight choices that I could have made, um, that being said, the one inferiority complex ended up being uh, all I really needed um, at this stage. Uh, again, I didn't want to put two upgrades out on pigs because if i turn them into war pigs after the fact then i lose that upgrade and it's two stones down the drain so i only really wanted the one and then that way i only i can turn that guy into a war pig if i need to in a pinch but generally speaking that i'm going to try to um just leverage that model and so bo peep ended up like getting him out of harm's way with mcmorning and kind of kept him at an arm's length so I think seven cash is pretty fine. Um, the old major is a pretty tanky model as long as you have stones, um, but you don't necessarily want to go too heavy on your cash because, like, yes, it is nice to have... Like, I could have dropped, say, the piglet, for example, and taken 10 stone cash, but that's just doesn't isn't quite worth it. But I can't also afford a second piglet and go with a four stone cash because then you, if Ulick starts getting touched, he's going to have a bad time. If old major gets a, a shot at and engaged on, he's going to have a bad time. So I think Cat Seven is like a good like middle like upper ground, and I like I j- tend to prefer having that, especially with keywords that don't have access to good card mechanics. Okay, no, that makes good sense. So cool. Um, and then one other
1: kind of list building question, and this ties to um, a question from Nathan that he did at, that they had asked in Discord, um, and that across all of Episode Ten, there's a whole lot of terrifying, and so. Uh, Could you talk about when you saw that, you know, that you were expecting to face a lot of terrifying and kind of the trade-off on, um, yeah, having to have the stones, you didn't want to have the upgrade. Was there another place that you could have put, for listeners who aren't familiar, Inferiority Complex is one of the Bayou upgrades. It gives Ruthless, so you can ignore terrifying and manipulative. Was that okay were you expecting that how much how much did inferiority complex make a difference and how much did that come into your mind as you were going through the list building process
2: okay so going through list building process i knew it was going to be impactful because Seamus is terrifying uh madam Sybil and bet noir have terrifying and then the dead doxy will have manipulative uh sometimes the dead doxy will have terrifying and manipulative if you give it a gst Um, So that's something to keep in mind. That being said, pigs are almost universally low willpower. So we're looking at willpower four on most of those models and having to chuck an eight to try to get through terrifying really reduces the efficiency of what the pigs want to do. That being said, a lot of people talk about hiring the war pig with inferiority complex over the something else because they are nine stones and uh, as a minion, it gets bully as well, which means you can add any suits that you want against in duels against uh models that have lower cost than you. So, but the problem with that would have been like I would have been running cash five, and that's just not enough. If I drop the piglet out, sure, but then I'm down a piglet turn one, and I don't really want to spend Ulix's AP into pigs that can't activate that turn. Um, so but to go into what the model did for me, um, and again, we'll talk more about this later, but that model killed the dead Doxy turn, top of turn two from full health and put 11 of Seamus's er, 12 wounds down. That model tore into Seamus because once he ran out of stones and as soon as Seamus was out of stones, I I had um, I'd flipped a couple of onslaught triggers and it was just like, that's all you really need. Uh, that 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 swine. I mean, you know that I sw- flip that onslaught trigger clay. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> that is, dude. That thing. That thing. Actually, yeah. That thing took down Seamus's wounds quickly, and it was important that he had that inferiority, that ruthless, because Seamus can heal off of failed willpower duels. Uh. And then red chapel also forces you to be on negatives. If you're engaged by one or more, uh, one of another red chapel. So Sybil having that two inch engage, if I get locked in there, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm on negatives to terrifying checks into Seamus. And he heals every time I fail, I can't afford to fail. And so that swine curse, he had gotten fast and he was just like, all right, let's do this. I'm in range to charge Seamus. This is the only chance I'm going to have. And putting him on one wound forced him into a really, uh, it was forced him into a kind of a bad play. Uh, I misplayed his bad play, and he'll talk. He he knows I did, but um, because we talked about it after the game, where um, Seamus had teleported into my back line, into my backfield, and all I had over there was the lucky effigy and a piglet. And so, if some a universe almost a universal keyword amongst pigs is stampede. Or ability amongst pigs is Stampede, which basically says if you end a charge in base contact with anything, you can suffer a point of damage to deal a point of damage to anything in base contact with you. Seamus is on one wound with no stones. And I have a piglet. So the logical choice is charge the piglet into Seamus, deal one point of damage, dead Seamus. Use the piglet's activation for that. I decided to activate Ulex, turn that piglet into a war pig, and then do the same exact thing, missing my attack on Betenoir, who who's next to him.
1: And you're just like, no. yeah.
2: And in order to do that, I had to chuck multiple Severs out of my hand. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like on two cards in hand at the end of Ulex's activation, not able to use them for anything else. And it just kind of was like, I could have just done that with a, a piglet's AP. I could have just said, "Hey, piglet, activate real quick," and then take out Seamus and Noir can kill the piglet. Sure, it'll drop a scheme marker, and then she, like no 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 new cores to pop out of, you know.
0: Mm, delicious
1: bacon. Yes. A piglet, a piglet versus a Seamus is a pretty fair trade. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. So first of all, thank you very much for sharing that with us and our listeners. Like yeah. you're, you got to be like, ah, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's there the were,
2: classic there were a couple uh, of moments that I was definitely kicking myself a little bit, but I didn't have time because I was running low on time for, very quickly.
0: Well, that's probably also a little bit of the rust there
2: a little bit of the rust and the combination of just like, now I have nine models on the table. Now I have 10, I'm back down to eight models on the table after these piglets get taken out. So like I had so many more activations and he played the past token game very well by just like basically putting me back on like, Nope, you're still on time. Nope. You're still on time. And I'm like, Oh man. Okay. So, yeah, um, but he even says my clarity at the end of the game, when I was like on five minutes left in time, I was jetting through activations. So, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So good on you.
0: Um, How much of a factor do you think Christian's experience playing Ulex played into this game? Because Christian mained Ulex for a good long time. And so I find that when uh, I'm playing against a master that I have a lot of experience with, I kind of know, okay, these are what they're good at. And so I'm going to avoid being in a situation for the st- their stuff they're good at. And this is what they're bad at. So I'm going to, you know, really lay into their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. There. Uh, was that a factor in the game?
2: I would say so. Um, the sow was dead. Turn two. And that was the first cursed object I gave up because he, in his perception, the sow needs to go because that is the primary uh, pig summoner in the keyword. Um for those who don't know, she has a an action that she can take that requires, I think, a, f- a five or a six to get off. Um, and you can eat scheme markers or cork markers to add the tri- uh, suit you need. Um, so, uh, the sow can pump out two to three piglets a turn, depending on the circumstances around you. And Seamus ignores both of the sow's important survivability abilities, being hard to wound and terrifying. Um, and he peaked red on Intuition with the whisper uh, and dealt nine damage to the sow quickly. So I think that knowledge like gave him that edge on like taking the sow out faster. But simultaneously, I think he was surprised at how I was playing Ulix and saw things that he hadn't done with his own play of Ulix. And he even said he might jump back into Ulix sooner rather than later. He might feel inspired.
0: The Bayou always brings him back.
2: Yeah. So my,
3: my question for you is, like, if I looking at this pool and I was like, I'm gonna play Ulix. I, I mean, like, I like Ulix one when um, there's like a lot of scheme marker stuff going on, and um, this just says Ulix two to me. So why Ulix one over Ulix two?
2: So I was gonna mention this in the hindsight part of it. Yes, I in hindsight. I probably would have played Ulex 2, but fundamentally, Ulex 1 is where most of my experience is. So because of that, because this is my first game back in months, I was like, I need to play something I'm at least a little bit more familiar with in terms of like play avenues, where I'm, what I'm trying to go game plan. Um, And that's really just, I need to get more Ulex 2 on the table. The last time I had played Ulex 2, I played it into Brian and... Um, it was a slug fest. It was an absolute yeah. slug fest. It was so much fun. But um, that was the only game I've really played on Ulex 2. Ulex 1 has been kind of like a bread and butter master for me for a, for a little while. I played nothing but Ulex 1 at uh, Captain Con, for example. And, you know, it, it, it. I just find like that overwhelming play style to be very interesting. But again, on Cursed Objects with the pool that it was, I probably would have played Ulex 2 and I should have put Inferiority Complex on Ulex 2 and had him trying to mulch through the, the enemy need, models.
3: He doesn't need it. He's a, he's a willpower 7.
2: No, 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 but you, it, you still don't... I mean, like, it
3: helps. It helps, yeah.
2: This, this it, for sure. It goes into kind of like what the terrifying question goes into. I do not want to have to, in Ulex's keyword, spend, resource, spend cards out of hand to pass terrifying duels if I can avoid it. And on top of that, it's good against manipulative. It's good. And the, the swagger means you can get double value out of a hog whisperer. So, like, the hog whisperer can stab Ulix, give him an AP. He can spend that AP walking forward. And now, all of a sudden, your master is uh, six inches up the board with focus. And that is um, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, well, and the other
3: thing, looking into that, too, is that he didn't have any um, real condition removal. So, right. all that burning.
2: That's exactly yeah currently. yeah. So the burning would have chipped away McMorning and Sheamus a lot more effectively. That min three with Stampede um would have been kind of very scary for uh Noir to deal with because Eulix can basically in one activation just put her if he flips well. If he flips well, he can actually put her down and because uh, Bet has eight wounds, is it eight or seven?
1: It's seven for eight cost with uh,
0: the fade away built in.
2: So yeah, so. Uh, they can fade away the um, the damage on the attack, but like at that point, she's very mortal. Um, I think Ulix 2 would have been the correct call uh, in this matchup, especially because you're not going to focus as much on summoning. In Cursed Objects, you don't necessarily want to, but um, I would have probably still hired the Swine Curse with Inferiority Complex as well, because even if you're not using Bacon Beeline to turn things into War Pigs, that Swine Curse being able to move, I think it's move plus two up the board, um, and then like you know, the sow can put out piglets that you can use to then bacon beeline into models for burning and then turn them into war pigs should they survive. Um, there's ways to kind of play that. And it, like I said, in hindsight I should have played Ulix too. But familiarity and just jumping back in feet first, ready to just play some pigs, that's what I went with. Yeah,
3: no for sure. That's that's yeah. definitely I mean that's you know, the same thing with Dreamer One. You gotta <laughs> you know, especially that first tournament you're going to for a while, knocking the, you know, the rust yeah. off and and learning it. Um Anybody that with Ulix 2 though, bacon beeline is so good, even if you don't grow up a pig just just throwing piglets in. It's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah.
2: Right. It's so much extra movement and it's so much burning. It's just so good.
1: No, that is cool. And that's also really good just the discussion that there on yeah, this might be an objectively better test, but it needed more prep. You know, which you didn't have because life happens. And so, yeah, the advantage of going, you know, and so, yeah, objectively better, maybe, except for then it might not have been a one point differential. It might have been, I mean, you might have won, but I mean, it might have been ugly just because you're like reading the card.
2: And again, you know, I think the closeness of the game and the, the fact that it was a high scoring game as well demonstrates that, yes, I was giving up points because, I mean, Seamus, Red Joker killed the uh, Sal, And then I want to say uh, McMorning polished off a full health war pig. No problem. You know, it was just like it was just one of those kinds of situations where um, my models are generally relatively easy to kill. So I had to kind of account for that. But um, I still was scoring my points. I still scored my assassinate on Seamus. Uh, again, could have probably done it a little bit more cleanly but it was still a very tight game, all things considered the disadvantages that I had playing Ulex. And I, I, th- I think that helped me jumpstart where I was feeling good going into game two and game three. Yeah, no, that makes great sense. So uh, we, d-
1: we've already talked a bunch about some of the key plays during the game besides the uh, Swankhurst versus sheamus, uh thing or the piglet versus uh, sheamus that, that didn't happen. Um, uh, any interesting lines of play? Any key decision points, either on the board or like within your control hand?
2: So my control hands were pretty mids across the board, meaning like I had a couple of severes, a couple of moderates, and uh, some weeks. I think that one of the things that I kind of oofed a little bit uh, definitely was there was a big piece of terrain for Seamus to teleport to right in the middle of the board, and then he could just teleport back pretty much to safety. And I did not smash that fast enough. And so one thing to consider is that some maps will have destructible terrain. And when maps have destructible terrain, sometimes you can take advantage of that on your opponent who's making a game plan around that terrain. You can just be like, Nope, it's gone. So Seamus would not have been able to get as many big teleports in had that piece of terrain just been gone. Um, and I I could, have sacked a piglet or something for that turn one and I wouldn't have felt terrible, but I, I just, it just didn't come to me. Um, Another kind of like a yeah, those are really the big plays that come to my memory uh was Seamus murking uh the sow, the swine curse just being absolutely threatening to his keyword or to his crew, and then um Seamus teleporting backwards and me kind of goofing it but still killing Seamus, resulting in two points on assassinate. Um I think yeah, and then I had made a play where Bo Peep ran away from McMorning uh, to not die because she was my second hidden martyr after the lucky had already died. But because I timed out, and again, this is just me harping on the time because I should have been playing a little bit tighter, but uh, it's like I said, first game back, um, where I forgot that with hidden martyrs, you have to re- be re engaged with another model of higher cost. Um, and I also hadn't factored in Vendetta into the pool. And Old Major is literally Vendetta Bait. That guy will take wounds at some point. He doesn't get his own tear off a bite. And he took Bet Noir on Old Major. And it was just once the corpse... like His models make corpses. So they they ended up being able to just get in on him, even with the disguise. Just get the free charge for the movement and then get two free attacks. And uh, Major was dropped low enough to where... They scored so i mean all, all in all the, the the game was pretty well tight and it was good
1: no but that's some great points it's great little like tidbits of things to watch for for mm-hmm. for folks at, at any level so totally appreciate that for sure uh, mvp model
2: who, who who brought home the mvp trophy there definitely definitely that swine cursed um heck yeah that model did so much work uh as intended um i did forget bully into the dead doxy but i i flipped the onslaughts anyway and okay so um but so yeah bully into the dead doxy means that i can onslaught as many times as i want just
1: yeah or that you can pick the suit right if it's a minion correct yeah
2: okay and
1: so yeah the uh the minion abilities on upgrades are surprisingly easy to forget yeah <laughs> absolutely. So you don't normally if you him. don't normally take them on minions yeah and so that is great advice are we talking about the dead doxy or the dead dandy because you're talking about manipulative and making corpses
2: uh, oh pardon me i meant that when his models died they still made corpses my models die they do not make corpses some of them don't the piglets make scheme markers instead yeah the uh, old major can make ski markers instead when he dies with uh Demise Delicious Bacon.
1: Okay, and he didn't try to convince you that his... If it is a Doxy, that his Doxy had Manipulative,
2: did he? Don't tell me that, dude. Because they don't. Okay, e- even if it did, it wouldn't have mattered because the only model that attacked it was, in fact, um, the Ruthless swine cursed. Okay, cool. So, it didn't it's matter, but... Double checking. Yeah, so... You know, we see we learn new things every day talking to Andre. Um, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. so
1: I'm totally like we do. Andre may not, but yes. we do. And we <laughs> right. appreciate it every time you're on here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
2: That's great. Uh, okay. I, I heard reading it, the card explains the card. Sometimes, yeah. 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 So uh, that day being day. said, it did kill the Doxy regardless. Uh, I flipped the onslaughts where I needed to, and it was dead. And that's all there was to it. And that was unactivated turn two. So that scored me for my first cursed object. Turn three, I did not score any cursed objects, but I did do a number to Seamus. And then turn four is when he teleported to my back line and I could have finished him off with a stampede that he had just not anticipated.
1: Yeah. No. And that is, uh, that is just a great discussion and a, a good thing for. Yeah, the little ping damages that you can sometimes get, whether it's with black blood or a stampede or whatever
2: is... Uh, mm-hmm. Not having to flip a duel for it is just golden.
1: Pushing pushing somebody off of terrain so they take falling damage, you know, or destroying, slamming terrain out from under somebody. All of those kind of like just one point makes all the difference kind of things are, happen a lot. So, no, that's great. So, already, um, after the game, we uh, listeners will know that we love asking about... Uh, Uh, advice for kind of bottom third middle third and top third players and so uh what kind of advice would you give for a bottom third player somebody who's facing your crew facing the pigs for the first time uh and and then what's like the big gotchas that your crew has
2: okay so if you're playing against ulex for the first time um he is not traditional summoner necessarily um, what he focuses on is taking piglets that are either summoned or starting on the board and turning them into larger, more terrifying pigs, the swine cursed and the war pigs being your primary beater pigs. Um, but Ulix focuses primarily on buffing the pigs and making them either tankier or have a better reach because pigs are almost universally reach zero So but just be prepared to be overwhelmed and to focus down your targets, because if you leave a a war pig, for example, on three hit points and it gets to activate um, old majors aura is insane. That model is is like you probably want to kill that model as fast as possible, if possible. But he's 10 wounds henchmen with uh, I usually run him with the ghillie suit. So he has disguised as well. The aura is within six of old major when a model activates, it gets to add rams and positive flips to damage on its melee attacks, which means that I guess it's all attacks. But anyway, but rams for pigs means tear off a bite, which means every single swing they make, if they're not stunned and they can declare the trigger, they're healing too, every swing. And war pigs, for example, are reckless. Swine cursed have access to fast via hard knock life, which is a long thing, you know. Um, so they can get a lot of attacks off very quickly. And so, like I said, uh, and the difference between turning a piglet into a swine curse is putting five more wounds on the table. You know, putting a war pig onto the table, that's a 10 wound model. And if I took three summoned uh, piglets, for example, and turned two of them into swine cursed and one of them into a, um, we'll say a wild boar or even a squealer would be fine, because then it'll cost you, you basically do the difference between the model you're trying to summon and the model that you're summoning off of to set the TN. You can turn swine curse into war pigs on eights. You can turn squealers, which are five stone models into war pigs on 12s. You can turn piglets into swine curse on 12s. And so your game plan is to buff your pigs and overwhelm.
1: Yeah. So they're going to get big.
2: Yeah. Uh, So watch out for that. The biggest gotcha mechanic that you has in my opinion is sturdy critters. Uh, It's his front of cards within six of him. He has an aura that says when a model um, here, let me just pull it up real quick so I can quote it properly. It's when a pig takes damage within six inches of him, Uh, it can discard a card to reduce the damage it suffers by an amount based on the value of the discarded card. One, two or two. So you can chuck a six out of your hand drop damage by two, and unless the damage is irreducible, it doesn't care if you ignore armor, it doesn't care if you ignore other baseline abilities like armor, and corporeal things like that. Yeah. It's just straight up. And again, with 10 wound pigs, that's a big deal. But that's his biggest gotcha mechanic. People forget about it all the time. That and probably Swineherd, which gives pigs plus one inch melee, uh, turns uh, Old Major into a two inch reach um, 50 mil base, and that can be really devastating for a lot of people uh who aren't just ready for that but i'd say starting. Okay. listeners
1: can't see that i'm raising my hand right now because i have been old majored in yeah. that exact manner mm-hmm. in a game uh yeah. by john and it was it was a fantastic learning experience
2: mm-hmm.
0: right we'll, we'll put it like that yes one having that extra one inch uh range on their uh, melee helps a lot for you know zero inch reach uh models mm-hmm. there I mean, a lot of them have stampede, so they're trying to get into base contact anyways, but they can charge in, get in base contact with someone, and then engage someone else.
2: Right. And it's actually funny that you mentioned that, because I finally experienced the one-time zero-inch engagement is really good in game two, where Wrath was on the board, and he can redirect people's attacks into other legal targets, but since pigs have a zero inch engage, their chances of having somebody else they can swing at besides the model that you charged in the first place is pretty low. So but that was the one time I've ever seen it be beneficial. But I, that's what I would say. Just prepare for lots of wounds to be on the table. Focus down your targets. Generally speaking, Ulex's game plan is make pigs big, throw pigs at enemy profit.
1: Yep. And which is a great segue. So yeah, so talking to the middle third, uh, experienced player that has maybe faced Ulex before, uh, what what kind of a advice would you give to them
2: first and foremost eulix does not do card things well in hand he manipulates the duels very well he can give out of activation ap but his hand is basically going to be used for summoning or sturdy critters and if he needs to pushing through damage on attacks with models he does not want to have to spend his cards doing much else and he does not have ways to replenish his hand so attacking the hand Again, we talked about the importance of terrifying. Terrifying is generally a very strong mechanic into that, especially because pigs are generally low willpower. But that inferiority complex to access means that at least one of my models is going to be okay on that front. The other thing with pigs is if you can deny things like healing, it's big. Stunning pigs makes them very sad because they care a lot about their triggers. They also, a lot of them have reckless, and reckless is basically a dead uh, ability if you make it an AP. So that oh, yeah. of, that can very hurt pigs, um, and then again, they're not they're tanky because they have a lot of wounds, and because Ulix can turn small pigs into big pigs, turning them into higher wound totals. But at the end of the day, defense five, no other defensive tech. Generally speaking, uh, you can you can, if you focus down pigs, you can kill them. So, and if you can, and if you really can, if you have like long range firepower, then he the Ulix player does not protect his early game piglets. Take them out take them out as fast as possible because that is exactly his game plan is to get those pigs into bigger pigs, give those pigs fast via reckless or hard knock life, and then throw them into the closest model and try to wipe it off the table as fast as possible. And then you can also take advantage of that uh, zero inch engage, Although be wary of that because swine cursed in particular have heroic intervention. So like if you think you're going to reach game of swine cursed, it's very, diff- it's very difficult to do so because of that heroic intervention. It needs like a five to get off. And then also there's a lot of frenzied charge. So things like butterfly jump, you have to be a little bit more wary of because you want to keep them at that two. In- like if you have, let's say, uh, Nakima with old um, Inhuman Reflexes, just to rub the salt in that wound a little bit for Andre. Um, Appreciate it. Or Brewmaster 2. Brew- Brewmaster 2 is a fine example.
1: Or, or uh, he could have just as easily said uh, first mate with butterfly jump.
2: Yeah. First mate, kind of the same thing uh, because he's got,
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I've been schwacked that way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it, it uh, so if you have butterfly jump, you can be like, Oh, I'm going to get out of there. I'm going to get out of dodge. I have frenzied charge. Oh, well I'll keep you at my engagement. Well, it's, if it's a swine curse, I have heroic intervention. So like the zero inch engagement is a weakness. I remember a game in particular versus Nick where he played Misaki and I played pigs and, It was unfortunate because they have such big bases. I could not fit between some parts of the map with uh, slot machines on them. And with extended reach, it's very hard for pigs to get in there on Katanaka crime bosses, for example. Um, And if I would have just had that extra little bit and kept Ulex within six, I would have been able to make swings on his models regardless of not being able to charge them. And I just I learned a lot playing pigs. I've learned a lot playing pigs. It's been awesome.
1: That's great. So how about the top third? What kind of uh, advice would you give for yourself? Uh, Maybe what do you wish that you'd done differently? And you have talked about some of these, but yeah, I would like to hear a summary on that too. Yeah.
2: Um, Again, uh, Maeve asked a good point about um, Ulex 2 versus Ulex 1. I think I would have played Ulex 2 in this matchup specifically because uh, Cursed Objects is hard on people who summon and have squishy models that are significant pigs are significant they just are mindless so they can't activate when they're summoned but they also don't give away past tokens but that being said uh aside from that i think when learning Ulix, definitely commit some time to Ulix because he does tend to have very long turns where if you're not like on top of when you're summoning how you're summoning managing your cards well you can feel very weak. And I think a lot of people have this negative perception of Ulex because he's lacking certain qualities that they might find in a stronger master, um, where you have like ways to draw cards multiple times a turn or you have ways to uh, nerf your opponent more effectively. Whereas Ulix is very brute force oriented. And if you can play into that and not dwell on the weaknesses, dwell on the fact that your pigs get literal positive flips to damage it for free practically. Uh, And are healing themselves, that making their wound pools even larger, uh, and just like embracing that that brute force mindset with with pigs. And also, using demise delicious bacon is just very slept on, I think, a lot of the time because being able to say, oh, this piglet goes and dies over here. I drop a ski marker instead of a corpse marker, and then you say, oh, and I scored. Set the trap. Got it. Scored. Leave your mark. Got it. You know, or denied. Leave your mark. You know, um, sabotage, things like that, where there are these like interesting lines of play that you can take because of some of these abilities. But generally speaking, like you have to put time on the table with Ulix, especially Ulix 1, because you need to know when and how you're going to get your summons out. And also like o- Obey Masters know that like you can't dump enough AP into some of these models sometimes. But Ulix has Penelope, a totem with a, a pig specific Obey. Hog Whispers, same kind of thing, himself has the Hurtem action. So sometimes, you know, you just take the Hurtem action on a pig to get it further up the board or to advance your game plan or even just give it focus if you've got nothing better to do with your turn. Um, And again, inferiority complex with Swagger gives more value there as well, where you can say... I spend Penelope's action trying to hurt him, that pig with the Inferiority Complex. It's going to take a walk, and it's going to gain a focus. So you're turning two AP into one out of your, your, your insignificant totem. Yeah, no, that's super. But yeah, spend time with Ulix if you want to learn how to play Ulix because you want to short like get your time management on lock and um, be prepared to make risky decisions that are either going to be really big for you or really bad you know if you can kill models faster than they can kill yours you're in business
1: No, that is
2: awesome so cool thank you yeah i'm just happy john was back to the uh back to the tournaments yeah right it was
0: good to see you there man yeah
2: i was glad to be back man and um i did miss everybody and uh it, it was it was so like nice to see the community like just be so it's always been so great and warm and just welcoming and so like i think that's one of the biggest driving factors to to play malifo is that you know you're gonna find awesome people in the community it's very it's not the biggest community in the world but it's a very tight-knit very like open arms kind of thing and so it was really nice to be back in houston hanging out with the boys and um yeah you know it's uh it's just it's so nice so nice to be back
1: Super glad, super super glad to have you back. Super glad to actually have you on the on the pod, and uh, yeah. very glad that uh, that I drew the straw, the long straw, so that I was able to do uh, your interview. So, <laughs> yeah. well,
0: we had to, you know, have the all by you thing here, and I'm resisting the urge to play the banjo music. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't do it. I'm growing as a person for the good of the pod. There you yes. go. I was going to say, were you on Mave's podcast before you were on ours?
2: Yes. Oh actually I I, no, and I I was also on pete's podcast before yours yeah oh yeah i was on rage God. before first too we i yep. think that was about a month and some change ago where we did a uh pod on um wong specifically Um yeah and i was gonna be on his podcast as well uh doing some some bayou talking but i just i was so sick i was sick and i couldn't barely talk so Uh, Mm. I I missed out on like a primo opportunity, but uh, ever since you guys announced that you were doing this podcast, I've been wanting to like podium just so I can be on here and talk with you guys and haven't been able to do it. And then finally, my first time back in a long time, man, it was just everything clicked in different ways. My mind felt different and I was just like ready to go. And I, I came out swinging. I think I had some tough matchups.
0: (laughs) And I mean, it was a 14 person tournament.
2: Yeah, it was a yeah. big tournament, and I had the game three into Brian on Von that That's mm. an that's an intimidating matchup, and I, awesome. I was yeah. able to to win uh, in the end on that. And yeah, so good for congrats. you, congrats.
1: Anyways, uh, any uh,
2: final comments or plugs? For- I'm just I'm really glad to be here, and thank you guys for doing this. This is an awesome pod.
1: Thank you. Oh well, thank you. We we love doing it. So. Hey, I'm
0: going to do the plug that I always do. We got the Lone Star Foe Down, GT, coming up here in Houston, Texas, October 13th through the 15th. Uh, we're aiming to make this the largest event in Malifaux, not attached to a convention. We've got great people coming to play from all over the country in a great game store. And if you register before August 25th, we have a custom fate deck that you get for free if you register before august 25th so come to the lone
1: star foe and see if you have the biggest hats all right so all right well thank you very much and we will talk to you all later farewell fairly well adios Students of Conflict is brought
0: to you by Top Dug Design. Check out topdugdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dug Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures, LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo!
1: I was like, as I'm like, North American faux tour. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, if someone
0: from Europe comes over and hits the podium in one of our tournaments, we'll totally interview them. Heck yeah! (laughs) We are not biased against other continents.
1: All right. (laughs) TM. TM.